When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rest is Entertainment with me, Marina Hyde. And me, Richard Osman. Hi, Marina. Hello, Richard. How are you? I'm all right. We're in a slightly different studio today um, and I'm not someone who really likes change, but I think I'll be okay. <laughs> it's but literally next door to the other studio. It's next door, and but it decor, is different. Well, the decor is quite similar. Yeah, and I'm opposite to you rather than at a slightly oblique angle. I actually prefer this, but, okay. you know, we don't. if we can't have change, we won't. Enforce it upon you. By the end of this one, though, I won't want to change back. That's yeah. the thing. It'll take me for anyway. Listen, shall we talk about some uh, some stuff today? We are going to talk about Channel Four, which is yeah. just announced that it's going to lay off about fifteen percent of its workforce. It's going to sell its London HQ in Horsefree Road, which is a sort of iconic building, and it's going to go mainly digital streaming by twenty thirty. I think they're in real trouble. We will uh, we will talk I about it, but I think they're in real trouble. For, for various reasons. Uh, we're also going to talk about someone who isn't in trouble, which is Mr. Beast, who's the uh, the biggest YouTuber on the planet. And he is close to doing a TV deal um, with a streamer, which um, may even be done by the time we just airs, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. He's the, the most famous person on the planet you wouldn't recognise yes. if you saw him in, in M&S. <laughs> And we're also going to talk about films getting cancelled, almost finished or completely finished get films getting cancelled. Halle Berry's um, movie for Netflix, The Mothership, which is a sci-fi thing, has got completely pulled. So we're going to talk about that because it's part of a bit of a trend in the industry. An epidemic. But we'll start with Channel 4, shall we? As you say, so job losses this week. The big issue in TV is, is the collapse of the advertising market. So advertisers are not advertising on linear television or it's you know much, much less than they did. So if you're ITV or Channel 4 or Channel 5, that's a huge problem. And so you have to cut your cloth accordingly. But while Channel 5 and ITV have ridden this out rather well, Channel 4 seem to be slightly stuck on the rocks of it for um, a number of reasons, I think. But, you know, it's, it's a very difficult environment to run a TV channel in. That's and we should sure. say that Channel 4 is special because Channel 4, although it is... F- sort of commercially it's self-sustaining via via supposedly hopefully advertising it does have a public service remit so in some ways it is analogous to the BBC in that it actually has this different thing which something like Sky or Paramount or ITV doesn't have. Absolutely and while the BBC have obviously got a lot less money than they used to at least they sort of know the money they're going to get because you know they know what the licence fee is the government sets it and they have cut it and cut it and cut it or you know um, they haven't raised it so the BBC can sort of plan ahead whereas Channel 4 don't seem to have planned ahead quite as much as they might have done, because I think it's fairly widely predicted, this advertising slump, and I think people at the channel think it's going to turn around, and perhaps it will. I suspect it might not. But they have really sort of 
run into the ground in the last 18 months, completely run out of money. If you talk to any producers, they're not commissioning. Um, there are shows on the shelf which they are not putting out. Well, that's quite that's quite an interesting part of it because the indie sector, the in, independent producer sector, which was essentially created by the existence of Channel yeah. 4, because Channel 4 existed, we built up this amazing, vibrant sector in this country. Um, and, you know, let's not forget how big the creative industries are in this country. And it's in some ways one of the last great things we make. So um, they had built up this whole sector. What a lot of indie producers have said, and what, rightly or wrongly, their anger is has been directed at Channel 4 because they say that they, there are finished shows on Channel 4 shelves that are ready to air that have not been scheduled and have and, and are not sort of being aired. And there is some speculation that the reason this is is because one of the other big things we haven't mentioned yet is that for how long the government, that Channel 4 have been in a sort of dogfight with the government over whether or not they were going to get privatised, which they didn't, something they didn't want to happen, but successive Conservative governments have been threatening this. And some people think that because they wanted to sort of show a, you know, not not have a loss on their balance sheet in, immediately after having fought off this bid, they can list the unaired programmes as stock, so it makes them look more valuable. There has been quite a lot of anger amongst mm. a sector which like, owes its existence in some ways to Channel 4. Like a lot. And, you know, let's let's speculate some more. One thing they stopped doing last year, by and large in independent television, what happens is you get a show commissioned, the channel cash flows that show, you make it, you make your 10, 15% off the top uh, and everyone's happy. What They now ask the indies to cash flow a lot of their shows. So they will commission a show and say, we are not going to pay you until this airs. And if you're a Banerjee or a Studio Lambert, you can carry that cost because, you know, you've got plenty of cash flow. But most small indies, which are the ones that Channel 4 really should be encouraging, can't do that. Now, there are ex exceptions to this rule, by the way, but by and large, that has been the business plan for the last 18 months. And so they are keeping shows that they have made on the shelf because they haven't paid for them yet. And they want to pay for them in the next financial year because they're hoping that advertising kind of ticks over. And the reason Channel 4 got so big and so great and made all those shows that we remember is that incredibly great relationship with creators. And that seems, it, listen, it might just be perception, that seems to have broken down a little bit. And you talk to anyone in the indie sector now, and it's hard to find anyone who has a particularly friendly relationship with Channel 4. It was fascinating when the government did, you know, they talked about privatising uh, Channel 4. And you would expect an enormous outcry from the indie sector. And just, there wasn't really. I think a lot of the indie sector thought, yeah, I mean, okay, that, that seems fair enough. You're not making the distinctive stuff that you say that you're making. You're not treating us the way that we used to be treated or the way that's where we can run a business properly. And so actually the support for Channel 4 was quite soft, I think, for that reason. Okay, well, I accept that, but I think that's really hard because I think that one of the really difficult things is, and this, by the way, is for all sorts of television companies, the chief, people who are by and large the chief executives or running these companies have pretty much in fact in almost all in all cases only known successive conservative governments where they've been at that level of of power within those companies and all those governments have cared about is those channels all and this is across the across the spectrum those channels news programs and how they appear on them yep. they do not care about creativity they are not interested in public service broadcasting none of those things has been the lesson of the last you know 13 years and it's been very, very tough, particularly for someone like Channel 4 that is sort of, uh, to some extent, overpriced and underscaled. It's very hard to survive in that when you're in a dogfight for your survival. And to some extent, the BBC has been also in this kind of yeah. 
it's a state of constant existential crouch, basically. And to some extent, you know, there have been obviously people have different people have wanted to buy them. There have been mergers suggested. But as the government found, really, when they were trying to sell Channel 4, you're not going to get a financial investor because it doesn't sort of make sense in lots of different ways. So you need to get a strategic investor. You need to get someone, I don't know, maybe it's ITV or maybe it's Sky or Paramount. Paramount. I don't think Paramount would be interested in the sort of public service obligations because it doesn't sort of make sense to them. Something like UK TV, which is wholly owned by the BBC and it's BBC Studios. It's sort of Dave and Gold and... Alibi and what? Well, hang on, yesterday is that the history one? <laughs> drama. And yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, drama. Yeah, and it, it, there may, might make sense. There might be sort of, sort of commercial synergies there, but really, what Channel Four, I think, to some extent, should be holding out for is a friendly landing and a friendly government, because yeah. there is a distinct possibility that a government that will be reflexively more friendly to them is in the sort of quite medium, you know, short to medium term future. And I think that might help because it has not been good for anybody to be in sort of permanent fight against the government and and under permanent threat. It has been really bad for the creative industries, which is something that, by the way, I just don't think the last successive governments have have understood whatsoever, even though they're massively successful. Well, that's it, because as you say, they they just get slugged off on Channel 4 News and that's all they care about. And they don't care about a multi-billion dollar industry. It is so one-eyed to care just about the news programming. So I would agree that they have fought fires very well. A Channel 4 against the government and uh, against what's happened. I absolutely agree with that and that that takes up an awful lot of their bandwidth. I do think, however, though, that television, it's its many, many things and, you know, it's digital first and it's getting young eyeballs and all that kind of stuff and there's a million things you can talk about, a million things you can write papers about, but it is a hits business. It is a hits business and nothing else. And BBC has been under enormous fire. And it's amazing what uh, traitors and the gladiators will do to you. Uh, ITV has been under the same pressure for advertising. It's amazing what, you know, Mr. Bates versus the post office can do. It's amazing what, you know, making your own IP and, and exploiting it can do. Channel 4, I think, has had trouble creating hits in the last five or six years it just has all you know most of the big hits on that channel you know uh, grand designs location 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 first dates cats does count and all of those things are shows from a very very long time ago um and the hits they've had would be bake off and taskmaster which they simply bought off the shelf from somewhere else which if you're an indie is not something that you think of when you think of a um, distinctive broadcaster I think it's right that they do that. I think Taskmaster fits perfectly on that channel. I think Bake Off fits perfectly well, but you can't have those as your only hits. The idea about getting those is you produce what we always have, which is a halo effect, which is people come for Bake Off and suddenly they see all your other offerings. You can put a great show afterwards. You can put trailers in all the ad breaks in Bake Off. That's why Bake Off is so valuable. Same with Taskmaster for, for, for a younger audience. It also drives people to digital. But when you do that, you have to have a big stable of new shows that people really, really want to watch and I think they've had difficulty doing that I think they've had difficulty updating the slate you know last leg you know again is from years and years ago so they've got great shows there but other than than perhaps the piano it's hard to think of anything that's been a breakout hit on channel four and the problem with that is it's the law of diminishing returns which is if you're not having the hits you can't promote the new shows that you've got and then those shows aren't hits and then you can't promote other new shows so I think that while 
their dealing with the government and their dealing with the, the pressures that face them have been exemplary. I think I think perhaps there has been a slight lack of investment, whether that's financial or emotional, in new programming in shows that they own bake off they're not making money from taskmaster they're not taskmasters made by avalon and they are many things but they are not a charity <laughs> you know and bake off is made by love productions and again you know they signed that's a huge deal they signed and love productions are doing very very well out of that i can't see that channel 4 are doing particularly well out of that so they they just haven't built that up and i think that itv and the bbc um but we should say things like they are st- still the best place that if you were trying to get a comedy in somewhere, you would want to go to Channel 4 because people think that making a comedy at the BBC is, for various reasons, very, very difficult. Um, I'm not saying that the BBC don't make great comedies, and it, but, but it is regarded as in general as being quite difficult for various reasons. A lot of pe- things have to go through various layers of approval and some people find that very difficult to deal with. Mm. And Channel 4 have always had that sort of natural, edgy home to it. So they've, they have got lots of assets and I really hope that... They managed to sort of pull it together because I do think things look pretty bad for them now. Yes, yeah, so this is the unique problem they have. So if you're Channel 5, so Channel 5 doesn't have a public service remit. Uh, Channel 5 really, really, really knows its audience. Now, if any channel should have gone out of business, it should be Channel 5, right? If you look back five, six years, you're going, if one of these big five channels is going to go out of business first, which will it be? You'll say, of course, it's going to be Channel 5. Um and then Ben Frow comes into Channel 5 and is so laser-focused on that audience and is so laser-focused on the people he want to, wants to work with uh, and the producers who can make the sort of shows he wants to make and will make quick decisions. Um, a quick no is the second best thing in TV after a quick yes, you know, because you move on with your life. But that's because he has an audience that he understands who they are. They're slightly older. Uh, and so he can absolutely just make programs for that audience. Channel 4 are in this position where they're still supposed to be making programs for, you know, a younger audience, you know, an edgier audience. And that's very hard to do on a big mainstream channel. It's very hard to get, you know, two million viewers for anything with that sort of remit. So it's been very, very hard, but hits change everything. I remember years ago when Kevin Ligo was um, uh, in charge of Channel 4 and they'd had like a bad year. You know, He's that, now the director of programmes at ITV. At, at ITV. Uh, and he was, he, myself and Tim Hinks, who, who, who we used to run End of he just said, guys, can I tell you what I need? He said, I just need a hit. Have you got one? <laughs> uh, and we said, you know what? We've got this thing, Deal or No Deal, that we've been kicking around. And uh, why don't you come along and have a look at it? Came along, had a look at it, said, yeah, I'll have, I'll have 200 of those. Uh, and, you know, it was getting 5 million within six months because you know and that's because he was, he's a, a program maker understood what he was watching understood where he could play it understood why people might want to watch it they don't have a hit quiz channel four which is crazy every channel has a hit quiz hit quizzes are, are sort of actually quite easy to do <laughs> because people love quizzes you get a great format you get a host that people like boom you're done you know and bbc two's biggest shows house of games only connected and university challenge they don't cost them anything at all People love them, and they can make hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Right, that for a channel. That's the sort of thing you need on the channel, just to bring people, just day in, day out, a simple thing like that. And they ha- they they don't have it. Entertainment hits a few and far between as well. It's hard. What they're doing, what they're trying to do, the business they they are being asked to run is very, very, very difficult to run. But it would be easier to run if just two or three times a year. You just had a massive hit that everyone went crazy for. And they had a documentary last week on the miner strike. And it's hard to think of anything that's more in my wheelhouse than a documentary about the miner strike, right? That's That to me, unless it's a documentary about the Iranian embassy siege, okay, the miner strike. I've seen all of them. Yeah. And I didn't know it was on. 
I didn't know it was on. And that's not their that's not their fault, other than I hadn't watched a sh another show on Channel 4 which would have told me that it was on. And that's the spiral you get into. You get into a death spiral pretty quickly. And I think, yeah, the unique way they're funded, the unique audience they're supposed to attract, and the environment they are in now with huge ad downturns, I mean, it's, it's a very, very hard ship to turn around. Yeah. And I, as I say, I have a huge amount of sympathy because yeah. the semi-unique companion of the BBC over the past few years is being under sort of existential attack by the government. It will be helpful for our very, very successful creative industries in this country, perhaps not to be allowed to be a business yeah. and to be allowed to be as successful as they as they can be and as they are uh, without being under constant attack. And that's not a particularly part of political point. It should be a business point from yeah. supposedly the party of business. Should we end on a positive note and send people in their direction? A couple Please. of shows recently. So The Piano is great. Go it and watch that super, on all four. Yes. And Big Boys, the sitcom is really, really good. Just started the second series. There's 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 good stuff out there. So, you know, support them if you can. Uh, uh, all of those on, on all four. Well, now shall we talk about someone who is not in trouble in any way. <laughs> who, who Nadine Doris is not trying Who's, to shut down. Who Nadine Doris is not in any way. Who none of the culture secretaries could or, or would shut down, because they probably don't even know who he is, is Mr Beast. He is the world's biggest YouTuber. He's on the point of doing a deal to bring a series to one of the streamers, probably Amazon. By the time you hear this, maybe it'll be he'll have been inked and they will have announced it. He's famous for his competitions, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and he's been shopping it around, and it's rumoured to be a sort of $100 million deal, and it, which I think is, he could probably get more. That'd be almost nothing to him. And it ties into the last thing, because, you know, YouTubers... I think in our brain we still got that thing of just someone talking to a camera saying, hi guys, I'm having my breakfast. Yeah. And us going, why are people watching this? But actually Mr Beast, who sort of started roughly doing that, the stuff he's making is brilliant. It's, he's 25. Yeah. I mean, I find it quite awful that I'm using the phrase mainstream media, but you do not really see him covered in yeah. the mainstream media. And yet, when he releases one of his videos, which my children pounce on the second they come out, along with, you know, within an hour, something like 44 million people have watched these videos, which is more than, by the way, will watch any of the major yeah. <laughs> series on any of the major prestige networks. Now, his biggest video ever, which perhaps is a good way in to start talking about the sort of thing he does, he did a sort of copy of Squid Game where I think they 456 uh, contestants competed to win $456,000. That yeah. has been viewed 600 million times on YouTube. You know, Richard, the it's incredibly high production it's values. It looks amazing, must have cost a fortune. The best thing about it is he didn't even have the rights. <laughs> He just did it anyway because he's so massive. He just thought, listen, what are they going to do? They're not going to close this down because it's huge for Squid Game. What's that What's that thing that people say? It's better to beg forgiveness than ask permission. That's, <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's a real, that's what he did there. But it's really great. You know, the Netflix version of Squid Game, the challenge, that had to go up to 4.5 million to try and... Uh, compete exactly that it's really really good he puts proper money into these things yes he, he says like they cost about the average video costs 1.5 million or something and loses loses money he loses money on those big videos and, and gains all of that money back on his smaller channels which are sort of the game playthroughs and slightly more I've traditional. watched him play a huge amount of Minecraft I'll be honest yeah. him and his friends I've watched it <laughs> you know I've it's it's extraordinary you know he, he'll, he'll do things like you know 50 hours buried alive or a week sort of drifting on a raft in the middle of the ocean um um, and or the most amazing laser, you know, laser maze, those sort of slight like entrapment, the movie, which really dates me, I'm sure, was <laughs> many years before he was born. Mr. Beast is gone. Uh, what is this entrapment you're talking about? But he started at, he started at 13 in 
2012 or something. And though his first big one was he had to he counted to a hundred thousand. Yeah, I can't. Took, I don't know how long it took. It him, took but, him. A, it took him like a week. Oh my god! But this is why I really like the guy. So yeah, he's, oh, I've I've yeah. got a big a huge amount of time for him. Started out doing game run-throughs, which is the traditional thing. Then started doing stuff about other YouTubers earn. Uh, he said then him and his friends sat down and just all they did was study the algorithm. They studied virality. Yeah, virality is exactly what they... Uh, that's like you. They're sort of, they're, yeah. I need to understand how this thing works yeah. and I'm basically just going to order him food and stare at it yeah. for five years. If I'm going to do the work anyway, I want to know how to get that out to the maximum amount of people. But he didn't just do that, which, by the way, there's a million companies who give you AI content and journalism who studied the virality. They studied that and then studied what people love to watch. Yeah and then made what people love to watch and funded it. I mean, someone counting to 100,000 uh, <laughs> across a week, you kind of think, okay, that's a terrible idea. But then you think, yeah, but I really like to watch it. Yeah. I remember on 8 out of 10 cats once, Sean Locke was uh, saying, you know what, they should lock everyone in the Big Brother house and then take away all the cameras. And everyone's laughing. And then Sean goes, mind you, I'd really like to watch that. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that, isn't oh. it? And he's very, very good at, work, at those things. He, he did a format where he's got 100 contestants and they have to stand in a circle. And the circle yep. gets smaller and smaller across the week. So it's harder and harder to stay in there. And even if you even put a foot outside, you know, you, yes. uh, you, you get done. But then he will cut that down into 20 minutes. And he also does a lot of philanthropic things. And he's even got a sort of thing, the, the philanthropy channel. channel now. He built 100 wells in various different countries in Africa. He gave cataract operations to a 1,000 people who were basically registered blind. And what's kind of interesting is that there have been a lot of people sort of criticising that and saying, oh, this is all for clicks or whatever. And funnily enough, when my children first showed me him quite a few years ago now, I was like, this is awful. He does it all for clicks. This is terrible. You should do these things anywhere, not for clicks. And I then went away and thought about it and thought, you're such a twat, Marina. <laughs> not for the first or last time. Because I tell you what, it was always like this, okay? Yeah. The Medici's building half of Florence. Finally, it was we're back basically to the for clicks. It was yeah. for Renaissance yeah. clicks, right? Andrew Carnegie building the libraries or whatever, building things in Europe, starting up. Henry Ford and his, you know, helping his workers. It was all for Gilded Age clicks, okay? They were. This is the equipment. It was always like this. This kind of thing was sort of paternal and feudalistic and whatever. But the fact that he's doing it at all, a twenty-five-year-old kid is doing it at all. Also, I don't think there's anything that weird about it. This is someone who's grown up in an age where I don't think it's any coincidence, as I've said before, that superhero films have become this huge kind of major kind of part of culture because all the institutions have failed. You're growing up in a time of institutional failure where two kind of ancient men are going to spend probably this year fighting for the US presidency to run the world and things don't work. And is it a weird response that young people think that maybe this is... And yes, the message should be that institutions call, call, mm. you know, cure people who are registered blind and build these wells and do all the things. But given that they don't, why was I sort of... What was the wrong with the cliques? What made him any different to the Medici's? Apart from he hasn't murdered anybody. But you know what I mean? At so, time of recording. Yeah, at time of recording. <laughs> But and yeah, I, I felt I was being a real sort of stick in the mud about it, and I think he's amazing. And there's two ways to get clicks, of course. You can do it the Mr. Beast way. By the way, he's called Jimmy Donaldson yeah. is his name, but uh, Mr. Beast, I think, is a, is a better brand. Uh, you can do it the Jimmy Donaldson way, or you can do it the Andrew Tate way. 
Yes. You know, and I'd rather people were doing the Jimmy Donaldson way, and I'd rather kids were watching somebody digging wells, what, whatever the motor behind it is, than someone. You know, I would spouting. too, one hundred percent. Although I, you, it, it, the the flaw in the sort of mainstream media again to use a term that I can't believe I'm just completely deploying all the time now, but is yeah. that the, when when people sort of started hearing that this Amazon deal might be in the offing, people started saying oh, um, he's the anti-Andrew Tate. And it's kind of like, no, 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 he's much better than that. He's much, yeah, yeah. you know, he's much bigger and he's a much more... Much more successful. It's like, I even heard of two YouTubers that <laughs> you don't have to bet, you know, that others are available. But I I think he's a really fascinating, interesting, kind of he amazing character, really. And it's interesting that even people like Amazon, who obviously are the sort of among, you know, the richest corporations in the world, feel that unless they get these people in, yeah. I don't know, maybe they'll never lure young people into traditional programming and that you might permanently lose them to different platforms. So to bring him in to Amazon, if they do do the deal or another streamer does it, is really kind of fascinating. Doesn't always work when YouTubers are bought onto programs and onto streamers or to um, kind of legacy media channels, which has happened a bit because people are terrified by what's happening on YouTube. But I think I'm pretty sure that whatever he does will work. Certainly, Amazon need him an awful lot more than he yeah. needs Amazon. You know, I'm assuming that they'll come to him with a deal and say, "Look, it's a hundred million," and he'll talk to his people and go, "Well, we don't lose anything by doing this." No, so let's he just doesn't do really this. care yeah. about making money particularly. He makes money; he makes huge amounts of money, but he loses money on things, and he sort of cares more about the beauty of the, yeah. the high concept and executing it and these incredibly expensive things. He is not sold on sort of like you know margins or and things like that. He has made a large amount of money but it's not his motivating and he uh, works with all his factor. old school friends as well yeah. which is lovely to see i'm just gonna i'm gonna look at his youtube channel and see what uh what his top videos are at the moment because it's genuinely you kind of go oh god who is he mr beast and then you <laughs> you sort of click on youtube and you go okay yeah i, w I would like to see that hold on mr. i watched beast. huge amounts of elephant toothpaste coming out of a breaking a whole house apart the other day. Elephant gives, toothpaste breaking a house apart. Yeah. You know you know the, the thing you do with, I don't know what, I can't remember what the, um, you mix things together. It's like a kind of giant monster slime explosion. Uh, you mix two substances together and it creates this. Look, uh, I bought the world's largest mystery box for $500,000. <laughs> yes, please. World's most dangerous trap. I spent seven days in solitary confinement. I would like to see that. I rescued 100 abandoned dogs. Seen that one. Uh, Survive a hundred days trapped, win half a million dollars. Um, yeah, so he opened up a like a like a chocolate company. So he had these chocolate bars, feastables, feastables, exactly. And and to advertise them, he essentially did Willy Wonka. Yeah, he said, "I'm going to do this competition. If you win this competition, which is like a knockout competition, um, you can either." win a chocolate factory or half a million dollars and of course they went for half a million dollars but you know it's so smart everything he does and he does it in such a smart way I was watching one where again a, a knockout competition but where they had one representative of 200 countries from around the world competing against each other you know you'd have Syria against you know Uzbekistan yes. you know in a in an egg and spoon race uh, and it's just he makes them 20 minutes long you know on the BBC that's a you know, 15 week, one hour every Saturday night, because that's how the BBC have yeah. to do it. Um, he, the concept is explained in way under 30 seconds yeah. and at that's the start. The, again, and that's all the algorithm. Yeah. When, when we talk about the algorithm, he's not just thinking, it's, it's not a mathematical thing. It's thinking, how long does an introduction need to be? When do I get to the hook? The when do I get to the first really action? thumbnails are really important. Colourful and show, show you exactly yeah. what they are. All of that kind of stuff. Again, because he does that 
and allies it with having great ideas or employing people who have great ideas. He employs 250 people yeah. now. It's, it, he seems to have a whole neighbourhood yeah. in where he's from in South Carolina. So if I was... North Carolina, excuse me. North Correction Carolina. immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, if I, if I was someone going into the, the, the television content business now, um, that's where I'd go. I'd go to a Mr. Beast or someone like that. There's loads the jet lag guys who do games around the world yeah. as well. These just these huge shows that are on YouTube. And again, I think our generation is slightly stuck in that thing. Apart from you know people, people, kids who are watching this stuff, slightly stuck in that thing of YouTubers are just telling you about their breakfast. And so again, if you're Channel Four and you want young eyeballs, how do you do it when Mr. Beast and these people are, are, are harvesting? all of them, monetizing it in a very much, much simpler way and making stuff that people genuinely love. Anyway, Mr. Beast, he has flaws, for sure. Which of us doesn't? Um, <laughs> but there's some great content on there. Absolutely. And as you say, he seems to be doing good things with the money. Fast forward 20 years and he'll be, you know, wanting to travel to Mars and being president. Yes. But, uh, and even on your basic tariff on YouTube, if you're a creator, you get $4.50 per thousand views. His last video, which is uh, $1 Island versus quarter of a million dollar island, private island, uh, 82 million views in three days. So even at your basic level, that means he's made $370,000 from that in three days. But Mr. Beast... Yeah, he's not on oh, the basic tariff. Oh, he ain't on the basic tariff. He'll be on an awful lot more. Because YouTube have this sort of system where their biggest create they give so much of the money away to creators, yeah. but not everybody gets the same tariff. And, and again, he's on the very, very yeah, top tariff. But that's been the success of YouTube yeah. over certain other channels, which is they will monetize the creators. Yeah. You know, and they understood very early that the creators are everything. It's the something like 50% they give away. It is extraordinary. So, yeah, he's making a lot. Yeah. Talking of making $400,000 in three days, why don't we go to an advert break, Richard? <laughs> I wish. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Caddy Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more 
White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Now we're going to talk about films being cancelled. I might talk a bit about TV shows being cancelled as well. Before they're aired. Before they're aired. Marina, you know my catchphrase. What's that all about? (laughs) Well, a Halle Berry movie, which is called The Mothership, a big sci-fi thing, was recently cancelled. Now, they said that it was because... And they'd made it? They'd filmed it? They'd made it. They needed... It was in post-production. They needed to do some reshoots, but this is such weird bad planning that I can't believe this is the actual reason they said that the child actors had aged too much well this is this is quite a sort of extraordinary thing to do but it's not the first time now first time this happened well there was one called it's mainly been Warners who have done this Warner Discovery there was something called Scoob Holiday Haunt which was pulled and they'd spent quite a lot of money on that is that Scooby-Doo movie yes Scoob Holiday Haunt yeah yeah, they're trying to just I took the Scoob and jazz it it up and Batgirl. Now, Batgirl cost $90 million to make. Do not do anything that becomes a verb. They now talk about films being Batgirled. They cancel Batgirl. First of all, they they'd sort of made it for streaming. And then they thought, we can't make films that cost ninety million dollars just for streaming. It needs theatrical release. This is so. This is awful, and the effects are so bad. It can't go to theatrical release. And they took the tax write off. So they got. I think they got sort of thirty million dollars as a tax write off. And bear in mind how long you spend. You spend years on a film. Yeah. You spend years getting off the ground. You obviously you pour your heart and soul in it. Had joint directors. One of the, this is one of them found out at their wedding. <laughs> At their wedding, that the movie was not going to be released. I mean, it's show business, not show friends. And they they had tried to save bits of it by going to the servers and just trying to get some on their iPhone. And then they had to issue this awful statement because this is what, you know, in order to work again, you have to say it was a privilege and an honour to have been part of the DCEU. That's the DC Extended Universe, even if it was for a brief moment. <laughs> I mean, this is what they do to you. And anyway, so that was Warner's. Then, again, Warner's, Coyote versus Acme, which is a John Cena movie, so, sort of lo- based on the sort of Looney Tunes IP, I guess, and Wiley Co- Coyote's in court for something. And I think John's... Oh, you know what? Yeah. It's about time. <laughs> it's about <Yeah>. bloody time. <laughs> and John Cena is the, I don't know, the district attorney or something. Anyway, <laughs> again, Warner shelved it for a tax write-down. But bear in mind, they'd already done Batgirl. And they'd obviously done Scoob Holiday Horn, which I must say didn't get quite the purchase on the discourse as, as the other <laughs> ones. But David Zaslav, who's the sort of CEO, said, oh, it's taken real courage to do this. Well, this was not a view shared by the creative community who all said, you know, why would you bring why would you bring a movie to Warners when you might give do mm. all of this and then they might just pull it? So then what they've done now is they've said, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to shop this around. If anyone else would like to buy this off us, one of the streamers or something else, then do please come and buy Creative versus Acme. I think it, it will actually get sold. And so it will, 
it will make it to air, unlike Batgirl or this Halle Berry movie. But you can see why creators, it's sent a real chill through the creative industry. Well, it's, it's getting anything made is almost impossible. Yeah. And it takes years and years and years, and there's knockbacks and knockbacks, and some suddenly someone says yes. You think, oh, they said yes, so, okay, we, we, we're in pre-production, and then during pre-production it gets shut down. Or one of the actors can't do it, or the you know the presenter you want can't do it, and so it's not it's not going to go out. But that's years and years and years to make it, to finish it, to picture lock it, and to finally go, oh my god, the last five years of my life have been worth it. I've made Batgirl. Now I can enjoy my wedding. Uh, and for it to then disappear. <laughs> and now to check my messages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Weren't she checking her messages yeah. at the wedding? I thought it was a you he. know what it was a he. Yeah, I mean, was yeah, it? yeah. Do- Back, back I think green. it was a bit of a three-day event in Morocco. Sorry, I'm getting deep, really into oh, the weeds it? of this guy's wedding. What day? What yeah. day was it? That I don't, told I, him? It's not clear, but I mean, it is going to put a dampener on things, isn't it? Yeah, you shouldn't be checking your phone during the first dance. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Although it is Hollywood, um, is there a particular reason for this other than movie theaters doing less well and? tax write-offs being important and people having to spend such a huge amount of money on every film now. Well, yes, Warner's obviously couldn't work out how to make it work to some extent to make such expensive movies just for streaming. But also they had this issue where they were going to, they wanted to totally reboot the DC extended universe and get someone in a bit like Kevin Feige is the kind of presiding intelligence at Marvel and they wanted to get someone like that in and it hadn't yet been announced that they were going to get James Gunn who is now in charge of it all. But I think they felt that they had a lot of these kind of DC properties on the slate that were not going to be part of this new way of looking at things. And this would not have been the Batgirl and this would not have been. And so I think quite oddly, they they have stuck all their eggs in one basket a bit late on the superhero boom, thinking James Gunn, director and writer of Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's kind of a sort of mystic air about these Mm. things. But I think, I don't think superhero movies are over, but there is a bleak wind blowing through that particular area of the movie studio's slates, which is pretty much all of their slates in some yeah. ways. So that is a worry. So I think that they felt that, but it just makes people think. And a lot of me- a lot of people cancelled their meetings at Warner's thinking, well, I don't want to sell it there because this is what's going to happen to me. And it's happening in TV as well with the networks in the States in that I know a producer who's got... He's doing three or four network shows or had three or four network shows on his slate last year. And he said that two separate networks sent an email and sent it to everybody, by the way, saying, what is your kill fee for stopping production on your show? What oh would we have God. to pay you to stop paying out on this show? To so you Stop know, making television. Yeah. So he'd made two episodes. He's got eight to go or whatever. So, you know, he sunk a lot of costs into it, but they didn't want to then pay the next $5 million. So they said, how much would we have to pay you? And those letters went out to every single person making shows saying, how can we kill for new shows? Not, you know, for a, a big yeah. established one that they wanted, but how much would we have to pay you to kill this show? And, you know, I guess it's sort of, they all run out of money because there was so much money in television vision during the streaming wars because venture capital and you know everyone was trying well, to, to get the biggest share of the market to get share yeah yeah and now interest rates have gone up so everybody ran out of money so they're cancelling everything all the time but that's you know to have to, to be making a show and be two episodes in and, and cancelling it which happened oh, to me a couple of times it's not great has that happened to you it's not a lot of fun in the old days it used to be you'd, you'd do a show and it didn't quite work well enough so it would come off after a couple of episodes we did a series called shafted with, uh, with which was a game show with robert kilroy silk and it was sort of um do you know the end game of golden balls which is the split or steel moment where you yes. can share your prize or not which is yeah. and it was sort of that writ large and it aired the first couple of weeks aired on itv this shows you how long ago it was it got six million and itv were like oh no 
This is an absolute <laughs> disaster. Um, These and would be so, pretty good figures yeah, nowadays. wouldn't they, Justin? So it was taken off air. And so there are people out there on that show who won like half a million pounds on a TV show that never got aired. No. So people would go, where did you... How did you get that new house? He goes, oh, on, on a TV show you'll never hear of again. You can't even see on YouTube. You just genuinely feel those people, they would be, people would think, their neighbours would think they were in organised crime or something because there's no explanation for it. Yeah, certainly in that thing where if you want to get a mortgage and they, they say, where are the funds coming from? You go, the funds? Oh, they came from the TV show Shaft with Robert Kilroy. So let me Google that for you, sir. Oh, I'm, af- <laughs> I'm afraid I've called the police. Uh, th- those things happen and, and it's, it's hard because in almost all circumstances, creatives are really trying their best to make something great listen it's a terrifying bleak future but although it wouldn't happen to mr beast no it I'll wouldn't happen to mr beast right should we do some recommendations oh that's a good idea should we do that what have you got i've mentioned this on the podcast before but it is now in cinemas the zone of interest is an extraordinary film it is obviously nominated for all the awards it's jonathan glazer and it is a movie uh that I saw it in November, and I, this is the honest truth. I have thought about that movie every single day since I saw it. I strongly urge people to go and see it. It's absolutely extraordinary. It concerns the, based on a true story, based on actual geography of where these people's house were, the camp commandant of Auschwitz, who shares a wall of his perfect garden and his wife's lovely home with the camp itself. You don't see anything from within the camp but you hear things and it is the most extraordinary film and I can't recommend it enough and it's in theatres this week. Uh, I'm going to recommend something from iPlayer, which is an Australian series, which is so brilliant, but people, a lot of people don't seem to have watched it. It's called The Newsreader and it's set in the world of Australian TV network news in the 80s. Like a lot of these things that are coming over from Australia now, like Colin from Accounts and things, it's just, it's it's brilliant it's got actors you don't particularly know in it is it looks beautiful it looks really 80s it's got great kind of 80s fonts and stuff like that but there's um two seasons of it on iPlayer and I really strongly recommend it it's just you know one of those brilliantly written brilliantly acted shows where you just go oh why didn't I why didn't I know this show existed and it's on iPlayer so you don't need any you know any other platforms anything at all you can just you sit and watch that I most certainly will we're back on Thursday for a question and answer show. Yes. Aren't we? Assuming we're not cancelled. Assuming paid yeah. a kill fee to go away. What would your what fee would be? be our kill yeah, fee? What, what yeah, we should be? we should yeah, liaise yeah. on this. If if that wants to be one of the questions, very yeah. good. What would your kill fee be? We do I there'll be other questions coming, I'm sure, but I've already looked at some of the questions. There's so many questions coming through. It's yes. great. I'm so happy that there's all these things. We've got about a thousand want, want episodes that could run yeah, with this question. Uh, but we've got some absolute crackers coming up um this week. But uh, if you have any other questions on anything, what our kill fee is, for example, <laughs> then it's um the rest is entertainment <laughs> at gmail.com. Do send your questions there. That was fun. That was brilliant. All right, everyone. See you Thursday. See you Thursday. Thursday.